Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are covering season two, episode 14 of Gilmore Girls. This episode is called There's the Rub. Here's the episode bio. Lorelai and Emily's weekend at a spa doesn't go as planned. Meanwhile, Rory's night alone becomes difficult when Paris, Jess, and Dean arrive. Cool. I think it's episode 16, but that's okay. (laughs) I said 14. 16. Thank you. (laughs) That's fine. What what did you think of this episode? I, like, really enjoyed it. I think it might be up there in top five for me at this point. It's just got, Mm -hmm. like, everything I love. I feel like, um... Stefan, you know, when the character Stefan would be on Weekend Update, like, this episode has got it all. <laughs> Emily, Lorelai drama, Jess drama, books, like, it was really fun, I thought. Yeah, I loved it. I feel like I all my moments happen, like, all my nominations are in the uh, Rory section, but mm. the Lorelai and Emily portion was also just, like, so good and solid. And fun. And yeah, it's like one of those episodes that when you, that's like stick in your memory. Always think about yeah. Emily getting 60 yeah. 40 <laughs> Yeah, the 60-40. <laughs> there will be a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. So let's try to do it in 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to go first? Um, sure. <laughs> okay. Ready, set, go. Emily scams Lorelai into going to a spa, so they go together, and Emily uh, is with Lorelai, like, constantly, so Lorelai gets pretty annoyed, uh, but eventually they kind of come to terms. They go out to a chop house, and Emily gets 60 40 and she's mad at Lorelai. Then they steal robes together because they want to bond. Meanwhile, Rory's alone, so she wants to order Indian food and do laundry and have the house to herself to watch TV, but Paris arrives because she needs help, and then Jess, and then Dean. Drama, as you might imagine. Ah. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. I think that okay. went pretty well. I got really distracted halfway through because my cat ran down the hallway, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to go? Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. On your mark, get set, go. Okay. So the main stuff this episode is that Emily and Lorelai are going to a spa and Rory is going to have a chill night at home with no interruptions. Of course, that doesn't happen. Uh, Lorelai is annoyed by Emily basically the entire time and they end up having a fight where Emily wants to know why they can't have what Lorelai and Rory have. Meanwhile, Rory's nights is interrupted by Paris and then Jess and then Dean shows up and he's really angry and Rory is still in love with Jess but obviously won't say it. I was, like, late in giving you the five-second warning. I was just so engrossed in your summary that I looked over and it was, like, two seconds left. But I couldn't just give you a two-second warning, right? Yeah. That's, like, in a conference where they hold up, like, the fingers for how many minutes you have left. By the time it's two, it's, like, why are you even warning me? Just (laughs) tell me to wrap it up. Yeah, for our listeners who don't have the visual aid of our Zoom calls we record, we're very academic about our talking fast segment (laughs) using, you know, the shorthands that we've learned (laughs) from conferences and the like. So should we slow down, I suppose, and look 
look at this episode in detail. I think we should. I have my Stars Hollow moment in the first scene. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But we're at Luke's and it's a construction site. So this is a follow-up from last week where he bought the neighboring storefront and started breaking things down. Thankfully, he decided to get a professional. But he's also still seating people in the diner despite this, which I think is just crazy. That's a questionable decision. (laughs) That has to be violating some health codes. Um, But I just love like the banter he has with Tom, who's the contractor. Mm -hmm. And we know that guy, right? Yeah. He like shows up. He does the contracting for the dragonfly, I'm pretty sure. And also, was he at the, like when Rory did her community service building thing? Oh, yeah. I think we had that same question. We also wondered if later on when Lorelai gets her house redone, if he mm-hmm. does it as yeah. well. I think so. This kind of exposes the fact that I never looked that up last time we wondered if we knew this guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Which is a fun, very, like, Stars Hollow fact. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, one contractor in town. But he seems to be good at it, so that's fine. But we also get, um, Jess gives Rory an umbrella to keep debris from falling on her head, and I just love that. He just does it silently, hands her, hands her an umbrella. Yeah, I thought that was a really cute interaction between the two of them. It's like Jess simultaneously gets to flirt with Rory and make fun of Luke, all while saying no words at all. It's very (laughs) accomplished of him. In this scene, Lorelai steps out for a phone call, and this is when we get... The premise of her storyline in this episode, which is a spa storyline with Emily. Emily's on the phone asking her if she'd like a gift certificate to a spa. And Lorelai goes on and on about how great spas are and accepts the offer. And Emily says, surprise, I'm going as well. So Emily sort of tricks Lorelai into a weekend together in this way. Lorelai later calls it Emily manipulating her. It's definitely a bit of a ruse to get the two of them to spend time together. I think we can talk about how we personally feel about this <laughs> and Lorelai's attitude toward it. Well, I didn't think it was a premeditated ruse. Maybe I'm being mm. naive, but I thought like <laughs> Emily really was convinced by Lorelai to go and she hadn't planned it on, on that, but... Yeah, maybe that's just me being very naive because Emily doesn't often just decide on a whim to do stuff. She usually has a long game plan, I guess. Yeah, either way, Lorelai is quite surprised by the news and her attitude is immediately like a pretty negative one, I would say. Yeah, which isn't great going into a spa (laughs) to just be like gloomy, like with a cloud over your head the whole time. Yeah, I was pretty much judging this entire storyline between the two of them as like, how would I react if Emily Mm -hmm. was doing these things to me? And so far, what I would say is that if Emily offered me a gift certificate for a free, like a spa, and then said she was going to, I'd be really happy. So, Mm -hmm. so far, 
I'd be very happy. Yeah, I'd love to go to a spa with my mom. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we don't have the same history, but. No. Yeah, that is important to keep in mind. (laughs) So we also, after this, we are immediately in the action. So Lorelai is at home talking to the people at the spa, switching around the schedule so that she doesn't have to be with Emily for anything, which, I mean, is smart if she doesn't want to be with Emily, but also kind of rude. (laughs) I think that they could have at least had a couple of things scheduled together, like manicures and pedicures or something like that. You don't need to be alone for that. Yeah, she says she feels trapped and desperate, and yeah, <laughs> I agree. It was like, you don't even want to spend even the tiniest amount of time with her. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lorelai is asking Rory what her plans are while Lorelai will be out of town, and she's encouraging <laughs> Rory to do something bad, which is very, you know, flip tables of any normal <laughs> mother-daughter, mm-hmm. like, relationship encouraging their child to like have a party while they're out of town basically (laughs) with the bikers and low lives (laughs) but rory's plan is to be alone order the indian food takeout that she likes and sort her laundry the way that she likes this sounds wonderful to me (laughs) i grew up with i knew it would (laughs) with three siblings like i know we both have large families so Like, at my house when I was growing up, I don't think there was ever a time that I was just alone in the house. Maybe I'm making up for that in my lifestyle now, just always being (laughs) alone in my house. But I would have loved to have, like, just an evening to do whatever I wanted with nobody around. Yeah, I do think it sounds like a lovely way to spend the evening. And I could really see myself going, like, 50-50 on this. I feel like I'm often very equal parts introvert and extrovert. You know, like I could definitely see myself taking her path or taking the path of like, oh, I can have all my friends over all, you know, like what her night essentially ends up becoming. Like it would depend on my mood and I would like both options. But I think it's very quintessential Rory that this is her idea um, of a night of like what to do with a free night in a free house yeah. is just to spend time by herself <laughs> her big plans <laughs> meanwhile emily rolls up to take lorelei off to the spa with her and there's a honking outside which lorelei immediately thinks of as odd because emily is opposed to honking as we learned earlier on when dean arrived and honked to pick up rory for the dance uh, throwback mm-hmm. but Emily arrives. It's not actually Emily driving. She has rented a, not like quite a limo, I would say, but like a town car, a fancy car to chauffeur them around. And Rory admires this and says it's cool. Lorelai is like fairly skeptical. And I feel like this is the the sign that you get that Lorelai is kind of sabotaging, a bit of like self-sabotaging this whole trip. Uh, kind of like being a bad sport from the very beginning because I think Lorelai in any other situation would love having a car rented for her like who wouldn't it's fun like they get to just sit in the back and like I don't know maybe there's champagne back there I think it would be great (laughs) yeah it's also like such a big kind of olive branch from Emily like she's obviously Mm -hmm. really excited to have this quality time with Lorelai and make like a big weekend out of it that should be a sign to Lorelai to kind of take it easy. It reminds me of 
when they did the fashion show with the booster club and Emily like started out really animated and excited on their walk and Lorelai like finally gave in and had a good time. I wish mm. that she would just do that now, like just give in and have a good time. <laughs> That's a good comparison because Emily really does have that like animated, energetic, like effusive energy from the very start here. And it continues on for quite a long time until she, you know, we'll talk about it when she finally just kind of adjusts to Lorelai. Like your attitude about this is so bad, basically. But mm-hmm. It's so hard for me to not find her energy like just so compelling to me and I just view her so sympathetically than I do Lorelai which could be like unfair because as you mentioned they have a history but when you're just looking at this current day and you look you compare the efforts of who's trying more Mm -hmm. and it seems like Emily is just doing like leaps and bounds of trying to make this a fun weekend for them. Yeah. Yeah, Lorelai is acting the way I would have acted towards this energy when I was, like, 16. (laughs) Mm. Like, but Lorelai is a grown woman. She has no excuse to be acting so, like, irritated and bitter and just, like, petulant. (laughs) We have talked about, though, perhaps, like, their, her relationship with Richard and Emily is, like, emotionally stunted at, like, Mm -hmm. 16 on the way they treat her and the way she treats them like they're picking they're picking up where they left off maybe and like they all have a little maturing to do (laughs) that's true (laughs) either way it's not looking like it's gonna be a fun time so we're gonna stay with the emily and lorelei storyline and then in the second half pick up with rory and rory's storyline after um They head out on the limo. When they arrive at the spa, Emily is still super excited. She's like raving over the cucumber water and the atmosphere and everything. And they go up and check in. The first thing that Lorelai complains about is that there's no caffeine. So she's going to have to go two days without coffee. That would be my complaint as well. Yeah, like they should at least have like black tea or something because you don't want people with caffeine withdrawals at the spa <laughs> but also coffee's not that bad but the second sign is that Lorelai looks at their schedule and thinks it's all wrong and she finds out that all of her efforts to schedule them separately have been thwarted by Emily who called on the way over and rescheduled them basically like at a scup- uh, puck a couple's spa retreat for the weekend doing everything together yeah at this point as I said I was watching this through the lens of like how would I feel if I was in Lorelai's shoes this is when I would also start to have some complaints like prior to this I'd be very Mm -hmm. enthused like Emily but at this point I'd be like I need my iced coffee and I also need some alone time like I'd like I'd like to go to spa with my mom as well but I wouldn't want to have to do every single activity with her, you know? So a little over the top with the enthusiasm, I would say. Like, I am, I feel biased toward Emily, so I'm seeing it through this way. But if I try to remove that, I could see that this, like, it's the forced bonding. Plus, like, I feel like sometimes, especially if you have kind of an awkward dynamic with somebody, the best way to have 
a good conversation, like good bonding is to be separate for a while and then reconvene and talk about what you just did. So like they could be separate for their massages and facials, reconvene in the mud bath and talk about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They don't need to be together for everything, especially those like silent things. Like why would you... Why would you want to be in the same room as another person getting massaged unless, as Lorelai mentions, it's supposed to be some sort of foreplay or something? <laughs> like, you know, that's just not, I don't know. I don't need to be so- massaged next to my mother. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't either. <laughs> it's just definitely, <laughs> you get that sense that it's Emily's idea of bonding or getting their relationship Mm -hmm. to the point of Lorelai and Rory's, which we find out is really like her motivation behind this. Her idea of achieving that, she thinks they need to be like constantly together Mm -hmm. on this weekend, like constantly having this special bonding time and whatnot, which is really like totally opposite of what would actually help her get closer to Lorelai at this point, unfortunately. There was also one moment when Emily had like burst in on Lorelai's facial time when she had like all her her hands and feet and everything in those electric heater things and Emily's just sitting next to her talking and you see it it kind of pans out from Lorelai's face and she just looks like she's like Lorelai has left her body and she's just like floating away (laughs) just like astral projecting away from this experience (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, I wish that that had actually, like, they had actually said something like that because that would have been a fun reference. (laughs) And another example of how this weekend is not going quite according to Emily's, you know, hopes of what it would be uh, is when they arrive at their rooms and Lorelai discovers they have conjoining rooms with a door connecting them because Emily, (laughs) like, knocks and bursts in through wearing her spa robe <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's really funny to me because it's like picture Lorelai and Rory in a spa weekend you know they would instantly be wearing these matching robes and slippers having the times of their lives and even if Lorelai was alone like she'd love to wear that robe but because mm-hmm. Emily comes in and is talking so much about how she loves the robe and is like Lorelai why aren't you in the robe we got to go to our first appointment together like put your robe on and then it like I think they slip into their mother-daughter dynamic of when, you know, she's probably 16, being bossed around by her mom. Could have gone so differently. Yeah, it was not a great start, but the robe will come up again. It's a very interesting prop for for their relationship. We also get, after their whole day of experiences, throughout which the entire time Lorelai is looking annoyed and Emily is just chatting away. They do have a little bit of a confrontation in the massage room um, where Emily calls Lorelai out for, like, just not enjoying this and being uh, weird and rude in front of the missures, which I thought Emily was just, she always has that very, like, proper way of talking. And so we get that confrontation, which kind of, I think it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't make the dynamic any better. Um, It does show Lorelai that she has kind of been acting like a child, but that's pretty much the only the only thing at this point that happens between them. And I do think we see the shift, though, like Lorelai does take this 
confrontation into account. And it seems like when we arrive back with them at the dinner portion of the evening, that they are like Lorelai is making an effort. She has taken this feedback into consideration. That's true. She is like dressed nicely for dinner and seems to be somewhat excited for it. Yeah. And I think you see it when she like shares the lipstick with Emily, which I thought was a really <laughs> sweet moment. And that was my Lorelai's closet nomination <laughs> is this lipstick. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, like, I think it's that Lorelai is entertaining Emily's, like, curiosity at this point when Emily's like, what lipstick are you putting on? And Lorelai says it's called Vicious Trollop. And this sounds exactly like a Lorelai joke, but when Emily looks at the tube, it actually is called that. And so she's like, who would name a lipstick that? And this term, like, Vicious Trollop comes up as a running joke multiple times later on, which I really enjoy. And... Lorelai shares the lipstick with Emily and she has to kind of convince her like oh yeah try it put it on and they both end up liking it on both of them and it was just a very it's a sweet moment and a nod to their similarities Mm -hmm. that they both like the same lipstick and look good in the same lipstick even though Lorelai wouldn't want to admit that at other points in life but it's also the first time in this evening that Lorelai convinces Emily to do something And I would love to keep talking about all the other moments of convincing and persuasion to wonder, like, are they, like, because by the end of the night, as most people know, we're not like a spoiler-free podcast, like, (laughs) Emily gets angry with Lorelai for persuading her into dancing with that guy. And it's like, how do we get to that point from this first instance of, like, persuading her to try on the lipstick, which she really, like, genuinely enjoys and part of, a relationship is like someone telling you or helping you try new things, you know, mm-hmm. I think. So this is the first case of like excitement between the two of them trying something out together and we'll see how how it goes for the rest of the evening. <laughs> yeah, that's a great thing to keep an eye on. I hadn't thought of that. It's it's also kind of a moment of like um since they have found some sort of peaceful dynamic is Emily just trying to keep that peaceful dynamic later on by giving into Lorelai or yeah is there something else that's happening there I think yeah that'll mm-hmm. be interesting to look at when we get to the big moment which is yeah. coming up it's yeah the power dynamic is interesting because usually it's like Lorelai convincing Rory to do things mm-hmm. but here she's convincing her mom and you would think that it would be otherwise right yeah. like you would think maybe it would be Emily but it's not yeah that's true so To get to what we've been alluding to, um, they look at the menu and realize that they are not interested in having spa food, which sounds like (laughs) bland tofu stuff, which Mm -hmm. is a pity (laughs) Um, because you can make tofu very tasty. It sounds like they this place doesn't, though. They mention a lot of like, oh, they say the word steamed appears a lot, which probably means like steamed vegetables. No salt. Steamed tofu. (laughs) No salt. Yeah. (laughs) Mung beans and cookies. Like Mm -hmm. cookies shouldn't have beans in them, I don't think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very like health and wellness kind of place. Yeah. Stereotypical (laughs) health and wellness for sure. So they decide or Lorelai decides that they should go out instead and go to a restaurant. Emily, like, pretty quickly gives into this. I think the allure of steak probably has something to do with it. 
Um, but they take off. They leave the spa. So first act of rebellion. Mm-hmm. And go to this, um, I guess it's kind of like a jazz club type place. I don't know. They end up eating at the bar, but there's like a jazz band playing and people dancing the whole time. Emily says that loose women with questionable morals sit at the bar, (laughs) which I think is a hilarious line. (laughs) And then I think later on, Lorelai makes a joke about how like they are vicious trollops and that's Mm -hmm. why they should sit at the bar. But ultimately, there is this whole like, it's like Lorelai is the offering like the forbidden fruit or temptation. She's like the quote unquote bad influence to Emily, but in a way that it's like she's exposing her to these fun things that are out of her Emily's more like regimented strict life like she wouldn't normally sit at a bar or order peanuts but like she does those things and she's really enjoying like cutting loose Mm -hmm. like Lorelai it's almost like when Emily went to Stars Hollow it's like Emily is sort of stepping in a sense into Lorelai's world or at least her lifestyle and they're having a great time at first yeah, they're Emily is like devouring the peanuts, which in any other time I think that she would never touch. And it reminds me of a scene later on in a few seasons when Rory has some weird factoids about bar peanuts and how people never wash their hands before eating them. <laughs> we'll have to wait for that then. <laughs> but they, yeah, they're having a lot of fun. And then uh Lorelai realizes that this is a 60/40 bar, which <clears throat> means that it's a place where 60-year-old men go to hit on 40-year-old women, which is something Apparently. Yeah, I've never heard of that outside of this context. So I don't know if that's like a, a legitimate thing or not. That that supposedly is what's happening and Lorelai <laughs> realizes that there is an older man probably about Emily's age, who is mistaking Emily for a 40-year-old and is just staring at her. And you're you're definitely right. This is kind of a a moment of like uh, reverse roles because usually Emily would be trying to get Lorelai to, to set up Lorelai with somebody. Or if it was mm. uh, Rory and Lorelai in this situation, maybe then... Yeah, maybe in that situation, Rory would be trying to get Lorelai to dance with people, but it's almost <laughs> never like it to be getting Emily to dance with people is just strange. <laughs> yeah, I think it is strange, like you're saying, because at the end of the episode, Emily will ask, like, why can't we be like Rory and you? And Lorelai talks about how, you know, they're best friends. It's different. But in this moment, like, I think Emily gets her wish in this, like, night out with Lorelai that Lorelai is, like, Mm -hmm. interacting with Emily almost as if she would with Rory. And I think, like, Lorelai is almost treating Emily like Rory. Like, she's almost the student who doesn't, like, the youthful innocent Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, I think Lorelai would be convincing Rory to, like, go dance with someone or, you know... And I don't think it comes from, I don't know, like we've talked before how Lorelai imposes her own, like when she tries to get Rory to go out to the concert, well, she succeeds, but like she tells Rory to go hang out with Madeline and Louise. And 
it's like that doesn't totally match up with what Rory needed at that point, but it was Lorelai's idea of friendship, you know? And it's kind of the same way here. Like, I think Lorelai is very, like, good-hearted and well-intentioned, and, like, this is her way of having fun with Emily is being like, oh, yeah, that guy is noticing you and whatnot. Maybe in order to be having fun with Emily, she has to kind of ignore the fact that Emily is her mom Mm. And therefore also married to her father. Because I feel like that's that's kind of where things get a little bit strange to me. It's like a daughter like convincing her mom to go and dance with somebody who's not her spouse. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of strange to me. But it is just for fun. Like it's not like a until the slow dance. It wasn't a like romantic thing necessarily yeah or maybe she's treating her like Suki, for example oh yeah like the way that they're interacting is definitely more like friends and you're right on like a single ladies night out or something mm-hmm. kind of ignoring the existence of the mother relationship <laughs> or the marriage <laughs> part but i do think it starts out quite innocently in my opinion like lorelei pointing out that Like, oh, look, the silver fox is, like, looking at you. He thinks you're 40. I feel like that is her way of trying to, like, like an olive branch in Mm -hmm. a sense of complimenting Emily. Like, Emily takes her appearance very seriously. So I think it was like, oh, yeah, it's like a compliment. And it was a genuine one. I don't know. I blame this guy more than (laughs) Lorelai, to be honest. Because then he comes over. He's got his arm around Emily. He's being pretty persistent in flirting with her. And then... Uh, when in like an upbeat song comes on he tries to convince her to dance because she said she liked the song Lorelai says oh go do it go do it and they dance together and perhaps I would accept an argument that like it was inappropriate of Lorelai to convince her because Emily's a married woman I would say like I mean it was like an upbeat dance they're kind of just it's not Mm -hmm. a close sensual thing at all I think it's fun a little bit that Richard isn't there sure like I think she could go home and tell him about it and that would be fine it's when the song becomes a slow romantic song that I think some lines are crossed but like Lorelai and even the bartender have been watching them they're like oh look how much fun they're having but then when the slow song comes on Emily like steps away but he grabs her arm and pulls her back and I'm like that's on the guy Mm -hmm. and she looks like uncomfortable on her face reads as very uncomfortable and even maybe like scared in this moment until she pulls away from him and like runs out to get her coat and wants to leave immediately but I blame that guy like Lorelai (laughs) didn't know that part was gonna happen it was like a fun little dance before that yeah (laughs) This guy approaching them when they're clearly having a dinner together is my Friday night dinner. Um, nice, yeah. I, I'm coming at this maybe from a different point of view, not as somebody who like goes to bars or places looking for somebody to date or hook up with. So maybe somebody else would have a different point of view. But Emily and Lorelai were clearly there together. They weren't making any, like, signs that they were interested in meeting up with people or, like, flirting or dancing with people. And this guy just comes over and inserts himself into their conversation. He doesn't even ask if he can sit with them. He just sits with them and starts talking with them. 
And this has happened to me when I've been out with friends at bars before. And I have a history of being very rude to people who do this (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, were we making any signs whatsoever that we wanted you to come and talk to us? Did it look like we weren't having a fun time just in ourselves? Like, why would you think that you can just come and talk to us when we're hanging out together? And yeah, I just think that this guy was way too pushy and gross, to be honest. His name was Chad. I mean, what more do we need to say? Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we get after the dancing, Emily, as you said, she pulls away and she's pretty distraught. She really did look really uncomfortable dancing with the guy, which was also kind of a, it really points towards a lot of problems that happen often, I feel like, when women feel like they need to stay in a situation to be polite, mm-hmm. even though they're clearly uncomfortable from the very beginning. They end up, Emily ends up bursting out and she starts blaming Lorelai for pushing her to dance with this guy and cheat on Richard. She blame, blames Lorelai for pretty much every every emotion that she's having at that moment, despite the fact mm-hmm. that none of it is really Lorelai's fault. And I thought that there was a really... Lorelai had a really good line here where she tells Emily that she needs to let her guard down um, and just be normal for them to have a relationship and I mm-hmm. I felt like that was a good sentiment, and I think that's definitely true. I also understand why Emily was freaking out a little bit at this moment when she's just, like, done something that she finds that she wouldn't normally do. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Lorelai, more or less. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Emily says, like, you've made me uncomfortable this entire evening, when I feel like that's not exactly the case, like I, I read this evening as like liberating for Emily and sure new things might be, I, I think she was enjoying the evening up until that mm-hmm. point. Um, like it's she like going to a chop house and they're drinking martinis and they're going to split like a shrimp cocktail and eat steaks and Caesar salad. And like they were talking, it was, it was fun. And for her to retroactively say she was uncomfortable the whole time, I think is a bit of a, like a defensive stance that she's taking. Mm -hmm. And they were actually bonding when she did let her guard down. And it was just that some dick took advantage of her (laughs) while her guard was down, you know? And I think, yeah, Lorelai has a small role in that, but I don't want to, like, place all of the weight on her shoulders like Emily does here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she also, she responds to Lorelai by saying that there's just a way that mothers should act with their daughters. I think kind of gets to, like, the crux of their whole issue, especially in this episode, and also, like, the the reason why... They can never be like Lorelai and Rory because Lorelai doesn't really see it that way. I I feel like Lorelai would more just say, like, you don't act a certain way with your kids. You just are yourself. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Emily has clearly a, like, mother persona that she feels like she needs to be displaying whenever she's with Lorelai. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's also a big part of... Maybe maybe she's having some thoughts that it's not just that she feels like she might have betrayed 
Richard in this moment, but she also let her daughter see her doing something Mm. that she finds morally reprehensible. (laughs) And so that's part of the whole, her anger. But yeah, I think that's a really good point about her persona that she upholds in her relationship with Lorelai, which she later describes as like, I was taught to be a role model for my daughter. And so I think you're totally right. Like her behavior, maybe she feels like she failed Lorelai in dropping that role model role that she thinks she's supposed to fulfill for her. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And they're having, yeah, they're definitely having this conversation more back at the spa when they're packing up to leave because Emily has kind of canceled the rest of the weekend. And they're discussing some things that have already come up for us where they're debating if they can be like Rory and Lorelai or not and why not. And this ends up with them with Lorelai saying, perhaps we need to start somewhere simpler than, you know, a weekend away at a spa with constant time together, which I do feel like I was giving her crap for being such a bad sport throughout this whole thing. But I do think her suggestion is ultimately a good one and probably Mm -hmm. would have been better from the start. (laughs) Um, So of all the things, like, why would they not suggest, like, shopping or something? Clearly, they have similar taste, like, not similar taste, but they like, you know, lipstick, fashion, Mm -hmm. etc. But instead, Lorelai suggests that they steal the bathrobes to be a symbolic item of their trip together which I think is kind of hilarious. And it goes back to the whole, is Lorelai's only mode of bonding, like temptation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either way, Emily seems to like, she's convinced in the end. And she says, Lorelai has made her an adulterer and a thief in one night. <laughs> but she is excited to get the robe. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I thought that there were some kind of plot holes happening here with Lorelai mm-hmm. as the manager of an inn. She oh, yeah. definitely knows that they'll be charged for those robes. <laughs> and there's like no possibility that they wouldn't be. But maybe that's part of why she suggests it because she knows, I don't know, sometimes doing something that you have to like keep secret secret or that's kind of wrong uh morally when you're doing something like that with like a new friend or whatever, it kind of speeds up bonding it gives you something Mm -hmm. that you like can look back on and tell stories of and you know it adds to the allure of their potential friendship (laughs) that they could get away with things like this so I don't know maybe Lorelai was just kind of faking it that she didn't realize that the that they were stealing rather than actually kind of essentially buying these robes (laughs) But I liked it as a bonding experience, especially since Emily was so obsessed with them. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, and I'm glad it could end on a happier note, like mm-hmm. a bit of resolution for the two of them rather than just ending after a fight. Like yeah. Lorelai says to Rory in the final scene, life with my mother, one step forward, <laughs> 5,000 steps back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that could be the motto of the whole show. That's true. <laughs> but it's also something that they'll have. It's a story that they can tell later on that will be really fun. That one time they stole robes together. Yeah. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. 
Have you been stressed recently? Perhaps you're renovating your diner while, while still trying to serve customers. Maybe you got an A- on your chemistry test and feel your chances at Harvard slipping away. Or it could be that you planned a night alone that was then crashed by your frenemy, crush, and then jealous boyfriend. Whatever your source of stress may be, there's an amazing place to alleviate all of your worries. Birch Grove Spa. At this most wonderful place in the world, you sign up for mind-numbing pampering, massages, facials, aromatherapy, and more. It's the closest you'll ever get to being a dog. You know, getting to sleep, eat, and lie down and be rubbed all over. It's relaxing and much less weird than it sounds. While at the spa, you unwind without the pesky presence of caffeine. You'll also be delighted by a refreshing weekend menu, which includes lots of tofu, steamed foods, and cookies sweetened with sprouted mung bean. For listeners of Talking Fast, we have a special offer. Once you've had a glass of complimentary cucumber water, let the front desk know that you're a listener of the podcast and you'll receive a gift certificate for a weekend stay at the Birch Grove Spa. The only catch is that this certificate is for two, and we request that you specifically invite a semi-estranged family member to accompany you. Don't worry, if you do get tired of conjoining rooms and couple massages with one of your more difficult family members, you'll always be able to escape to some peace and quiet in the quiet room. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So at this point, shall we circle back to Rory's eventful night while alone? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> We're back bright and early on Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> So back at Chilton, where where we haven't been for quite a while, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really seen any scenes there. Um, but they're in a chemistry classroom, which is a change of pace. We usually just see them in like history or English. No more Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> but they're getting exams back. And we find out like Paris gets her grade back and starts to panic. Um, and she... First tries to find out if Madeline and Louise will study with her, but they have dates, so they can't cancel their dates. On a Friday night? (laughs) They keep repeating, on a Friday night, but we have dates. It was a really good bit of humor. does not compute. (laughs) (laughs) But finally, she talks to Rory, and we find out that she got an A-, and with that A-, she's seeing her hopes and dreams of Harvard fading away. Yeah. This is another place where the characterization of Paris as this really obsessed and like hyper focused student, like really wants to get A's, really wants to get to Harvard. It might seem like she's like overreacting over an A minus and thinks that's going to like ruin her chances of Harvard, which is what she's saying out loud. But then she also tells Rory that. She's having a really hard time Mm -hmm. at home because her dad is back because she crunched the numbers for her dad. 
And he realized it was going to be too expensive for him to get a divorce. So now her parents are back and they're like redecorating and arguing. And it's like Paris isn't really having a hard time. Like she is, of course, having a hard time with an A minus. But it's like manifesting these larger issues where she's having really like struggles being able to like study, being able to be at home. And it's bleeding into her success academically. And it's like, oh, something so much deeper is going on here. And I just feel so sympathetic for her. Yeah. We've often talked about how like her home situation is just so sad. It's played for laughs. And to a certain point, I think that is effective. But I also wish it was taken a bit more seriously Mm -hmm. at moments, you know, a bit more back and forth with that. Yeah. Because I do think it prevents you from viewing her as such like a sympathetic character in comparison to Rory, unless you're like us and like purposely making (laughs) that effort, I think. And others, of course. I'm not saying we're the only fans of Paris out there, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been watching the show um, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. And there's a character similarly who has like super rich parents and is like top of the class and everything but his parents are like never home and just kind of leave him abandoned the whole time and it reminded me of Paris both like displacing their home disappointment with extreme obsession over school and academic achievement Mm, the coping mechanism yeah Yeah. (laughs) so uh Rory does end this conversation by saying she can't help Paris tonight to study but she'll help Paris next week if she's still worried after the quiz and this is Rory's way of preserving her night alone still mm-hmm. and this is the first time she rejects someone asking to hang out with her tonight because she wants to be alone the second time comes shortly after this after school where we find Rory and Dean making out by a tree yeah, gross you know like we said <laughs> last week m- making out is a common interest between teenage couples so I think it's the last straw holding them together, to be honest. They seem to be enjoying themselves. Yeah. I didn't really care for it, but I'll allow it for them. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was a little bit cheesy. It was. Yeah, it was. And essentially, Rory also turns Dean down when he thinks that they'll spend the night together. And to be honest, like, I do see Dean's assumption that they would spend the night together because... If they are like a lot of other like horny teens, I would think that would immediately be the first thing they would do when <laughs> they're free without adults. Um, so uh, he takes this news that they won't be doing that. Like I would give him like a a B plus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's not angry. He does kind of like give her a bit of a guilt trip. Like, oh, I'm a saint for being confused but not angry about this. So and like a B plus like it could have been better it could have been much worse though yeah and he does react much worse to things later on so I'll hold out you know Mm -hmm. B plus for his reaction here (laughs) yeah I agree my comment was just that he he was weird about it Mm -hmm. but I also had a larger cultural comment about this which is (laughs) um the like inability of people to recognize alone time as something that you can schedule and like protect Usually if you like, if you don't, if your plan is to sit at home with no plans, people assume that that means that you're open to planning other things. 
Ah. And that's not always the case. Like sometimes you you just need to be left alone for a while and that does not mean that you're available to make other plans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody ever understands that. <laughs> I found myself drawn to alone time a lot more in my older years not that I'm that old but I remember I think back to like undergrad when I would want to run errands to Target I would like try to find a friend to go with me to run errands to Target like I couldn't do it alone and I just I did view like almost every activity as a need for like socialization and to a certain extent that could be fun you know but now I've I view things differently and I have different needs, I think. And one of those needs is needing a lot more (laughs) time to myself. I am the opposite. I have never wanted to be around people ever. (laughs) Now I have to go out of my way to hang out with people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're two different peas in a pod. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But so Dean is weird about it, but he does accept this. And so the next scene we get is Rory when she's at home. She gets my Lorelai's closet for her pajamas, which have love it, Mr. Peanut on them and like various weird activities. I don't remember exactly what, but like, hey, another peanut. It's all connected. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> the main theme of the episode is peanuts. <laughs> Our deep critical analysis, <laughs> identifying every instance of peanuts in Go yeah. Girls. <laughs> But she's sitting around in her pajamas and she's ordering her food. You see like a huge pile of laundry behind her. Lorelai calls to check in, pretends to be somebody delivering a keg or something. Um, But of course, it's Lorelai and she is just complaining about her time with Emily. (laughs) As they're on the phone, the doorbell rings and... Rory goes to get it. She thinks it's her food, but it's Paris who storms in with like notebooks and uh, textbooks and everything wanting to study. She calls out Rory for lying about having a big night, which again is unfair. It was a big night for Rory. It does seem to hit Paris like because Paris says, oh, you are looking forward to a night Mm -hmm. home alone. Well, And she comments about how she's, like, left home alone constantly and will get, like, an occasional postcard, which is, again, played off as a joke about her making fun of Rory's plans to be alone. But if you just isolate it for its contents, it (laughs) reflects a very sad home life for Paris. Yeah, very sad. (laughs) Uh, But Rory does cave in to Paris' request, and she says, like, you can get an hour, which I think is a good way of Rory, you know, compromising, Mm -hmm. but still trying to protect her alone time, like you said. It doesn't really end up that way, (laughs) though, when Jess arrives. You know, Mm -hmm. there's another knock at the door, Rory thinking this is her Indian food that she's ordered, but it's actually Jess arriving with a bunch of food from Luke's, and I would like to point out a critique of a comment Lorelai said earlier and that just like repeats almost Mm -hmm. verbatim here, which is them making fun of Indian food. They both say pretty much you, oh, are you going to burn your house down after you order the food because it's so fragrant? And I just think that is a very racist comment Mm -hmm. to make. I was kind of aghast that Lorelai said it and then just said it again. It was like you thought that the writers thought that joke was so funny they had to put it in twice 
I don't think I have to explain why it's such a rude comment, but it really irked me. Yeah, it's reducing everything into like one stereotype. And that stereotype is just like when people complain about Chinese food having MSG in it as if that's some huge, Mm. like some big scandal. Like, yeah, it's sodium. Big deal. Yeah. (laughs) It's just xenophobia, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I I feel like the reason that they had Jess say it is to like hammer home the idea that he and Lorelai are practically the same person in many instances. But Mm. of all the jokes to repeat twice, like why... Why this one, you know? And perhaps he's also trying to insinuate that, oh, you should eat all of this food that I brought you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too. Because he has arrived with a ruse that Luke has sent Roy this, like, care basket of food because Lorelai is gone. And he very quickly, in- like, gets himself invited to dinner, <laughs> basically, by delivering this food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he sits down and Paris kind of comes in and saves the day for the first time Um, Mm -hmm. and Rory invites Paris to stay since Jess is staying you know she doesn't want to be she does want to be alone with him but she knows she shouldn't Mm -hmm. be alone with him yeah and he's like why did you invite a chaperone yeah that's my (laughs) Jess sass attack (laughs) nice we said it last episode but he absolutely knows Rory's into him and mm-hmm. is doing all of this to because she's in denial. Yeah. Like the kind of sexual tension between the two of them before Paris walks up. Like you could cut it with a knife. And when Paris like enters the hallway, Jess says, oh, I didn't know you had company. Like you clearly know what was on his mind and how he was planning a night of seduction essentially (laughs) I would have to imagine either consciously or not Mm -hmm. and I do I don't know like uh, we give like we give Chad a hard time right (laughs) for like weaseling his way into Emily and Lorelai's conversation so I don't know if we need to make the same space for that kind of thing here like Jess is kind of being pushy about getting worried to be like yeah you can stay there is some pushing, but I think we just know Rory's intentions because we're locked in with her as the main character too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it doesn't come off so poorly is that we've seen Rory like returning these feelings for him even. I don't know, but like we gave Dean such a hard time for being yeah. so pushy too. I just want to like hold Jess to the same standard. <laughs> yeah, I no, I agree. I feel like he he's the only one who like didn't show up knowing that she wanted to be alone. So he has that, but then she clearly tries to get him to leave and he doesn't. That's not good. (laughs) Like, yeah. And I mean, just because in the end she ends up like allowing him to stay and have Paris stay, like just because you wear somebody down doesn't mean that they're Mm -hmm. actually agreeing to something. That's not, that's not what consent is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is. A bit of coercion going on, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. So we've held just the same standard. Now we can move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To one of the best scenes. <laughs> I do like when Rory invites Paris over. And Paris is immediately so pleased to be invited. She's so excited about all of this fast food, particularly mac and cheese, which I can relate to. And mm-hmm. um, it does move us forward to this was my gazebo moment of the episode. Ooh. Was it? It yours was or 
almost my gazebo moment, but I switched it. But it does have my Rory's bookshelf in it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll just say a little word about it then. I think this is like an iconic scene mm-hmm. between Rory, Jess, and Paris. And when we cut to the scene, because we're kind of coming into it from the dinner that Lorelai and Emily are having, and we cut into it like mid-conversation in this debate about books between Paris and Jess, <laughs> and Rory is chiming in as well. Um, I won't talk about the exact books too much because it will probably be related to you. But I just, I truly love this trio's like group dynamic and I wish we saw it a lot more. Mm -hmm. Like not only are they all so like intellectually and creatively interested in this discussion, Jess is also like encouraging Paris to try like hot sauce and she's like, should I like it? And he says, I think it would be wise. Like it's just, there's so many quotable moments and so many, I think, missed opportunities that we don't get more from the three of them more throughout Mm -hmm. the seasons because we talk about like you know Paris well we talk about Jess and Lorelai being alike or Jess and Rory being alike and really Jess and Paris have a lot of similarities as well yeah I love it like we've already kind of raved about the fact that Jess brings in like a different view of a book nerd and here we get Mm -hmm. a real book nerd conversation and I loved yeah. it Paris also calls Jess out just like I think I did a while ago for of course loving Kerouac um <laughs> she says Kerouac needs to edit which I agree with <laughs> and then she says god forbid you pick up Jane Austen this is where I almost gave him my gazebo moment but also it's just like this is why we all love Jess he's like I've read Jane Austen I I just want to make a complaint about book uh how people categorize books and genres and things Mm. I I've been working on my own book recently and like trying to figure out how to get an agent and stuff and so I've been reading all sorts about how books are sold based on categories and there's the category of women's fiction which Mm -hmm. I find to be the most ridiculous category ever because there's no such thing as men's fiction and Jane Austen is like kind of a quintessential example of this where people think that she's just somebody that women read Um, her stories are just relevant to women but nobody would ever make that same Uh, claim about like well Kerouac is just relevant to men he's he's uh he's man's literature he's not you know Mm -hmm. uh for (laughs) women he's just for men (laughs) like it's just so ridiculous that that women are still like confined to this lesser role in literature even though many of the great great writers in English are women Jane Austen probably one of one of the absolute best who has stood stood the t- stand, stood the test of time better than so many of her male counterparts. Like, I would often kind of see her and maybe Charles Dickens kind of set on the same, I don't know, pedestal. But Charles Dickens has not stood this the test of time in the same way. You don't see constant Charles Dickens adaptations. You don't see people mm-hmm. actually going. And wanting to read Charles Dickens because his books are like a thousand pages long and have basically no plot into the last 200 pages. 
But people are still obsessed with Jane Austen. And it's not just women, even though it often seems that way because men are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point to support the argument that Austen has a lasting legacy is this continued cultural interest and like adaptations and not only in movies, but books like retellings of Pride and Prejudice and things like that Mm -hmm. are pretty common. What is it about... I'm trying to avoid some... I don't want to get essentialist here, so I'm trying to avoid that. (laughs) But it's something like, I feel like cishet men, like anyone else besides that group of people, we all read like anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we read what would be men's literature, you know, Jonathan Franzen or shit. I mean, I don't read it, but... Mm -hmm. Like Kerouac. (laughs) Yeah, like I've read Kerouac and I've read Jane Austen, but why is there women's fiction for me that I'm supposed to be reading? Like we are the drivers of pop culture. We see all kinds of movies, all kinds of TV show, even if there's a masculine character as the protagonist. I've still watched like Breaking Bad, you know? It's like Mm -hmm. so frustrating then that they think they have to add an additional category so that like cishet men don't have to read it like god forbid they read a book that the protagonist is you know not the same as them it's just so silly yeah i feel like it's because the identity that's the most fragile in our society is actually masculinity Mm. which many masculine people would say is not the truth but when you think about all the things that cishet men have to do to project masculinity and like keep in this persona of being a a masculine man a manly man Mm -hmm. there's so much that they have to do and so much that they don't allow themselves to like feel or experience Mm. whereas women and non-binary people and every everybody else like we're trying to break out of roles actively I feel like so we're actively trying to expand yeah I don't know Something like that. (laughs) No, I think that's a really, really good way of putting it. And I think you touch on, to bring us back to the scene, what makes this comment from just so admirable is that he isn't, in this moment, projecting a very stern or stereotypical, typical guy response. He's happy to admit that he has read Jane Austen, though he does amend it to say that he thinks she would like Bukowski. (laughs) Which, I don't know. I don't think I know enough about Bukowski to say she wouldn't, but... I was kind of like, hmm, not sure she would, but mm, I don't know. I think she would be interested by Bukowski. She'd give him a chance. Yeah, because she's like very interested in social dynamics and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that much about Bukowski. He's a modern, modern person. But it is this scene was just like so heartwarming. And I wish, yeah, I wish we got more of the, the three of them. Part of me wishes, wouldn't it be great if Jess ended up going to Yale with Paris and Rory and they all got like an apartment together or something and just like that would be such a good show I would watch that show that would be a fantastic show so different um yeah or I almost thought you said like what if like what if Jess got a scholarship to go to Chilton as well for like the you know that would also introduce other yeah. dynamics. There's so <laughs> many other things that I think they could have done mm-hmm. 
with Jess than what they do, which is this like long, long, long period of this will they, won't they with Dean being jealous in the background Mm -hmm. forever. And then he's gone. None of them making active choices at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing. I'm going to write a fanfic about that. (laughs) I'll read it. Like and subscribe (laughs) already. (laughs) But during this wonderful conversation, Rory gets a phone call. And who could it be but Dean coming to disregard her wishes? Just like, yeah. I mean, just like Paris and Jess have. So, <laughs> but he is already on his way over. So now, of course, she has to get rid of Jess because that'll piss Dean off. Mm-hmm. She attempts to kind of get him to leave. And this is my big question. They're in the kitchen. The back door is right there. Why did they go towards the front door? That makes no sense. (laughs) That does not make sense now that you mention it. (laughs) But Jess is being like, he's being pretty, I mean, sassy, as we often say about Jess. He's, he knows what's happening, exactly what's happening, that Rory's freaking out about Dean seeing him. And so he's kind of like stalling and Mm -hmm. teasing her and stuff, but Eventually, he gets out the front door. Again, why? And (laughs) Dean is standing there on the front lawn with that look on his face. This was so... Stuff like this gives me the most secondhand embarrassment Mm -hmm. and awkwardness as a viewer. It's like... It just puts itself into my body. Like (laughs) It's like I am the one getting caught with Jess while Dean is out there. And I hate that feeling but it's so effective it was so awkward for them to like you know he's gonna be standing there but like to see him there I was just like oh my god why didn't they use the back door yeah I just don't understand (laughs) but Dean comes right up to Jess and Jess is like spitting back at him all these kind of taunts and everything talking about how Dean is doing the whole towering over me kind of thing Dean is so clearly like fuming Mm-hmm. And Jess is just like poking at his buttons, like poking a bear. Yeah, poking the yeah. bear. <laughs> it was, I shouldn't say this, but it was great. I loved it. <laughs> just seeing him be like so antagonistic. <laughs> at first, I was annoyed because the second Jess sees Dean, Dean doesn't even say a word and just begins antagonizing him. Uh, with all these comments like oh you brought ice cream for two are you gonna feed each other all this stuff (laughs) like purposefully trying to get under his skin immediately which I think is kind of annoying and if he's trying to be close with Rory like this affects Rory as well Mm -hmm. but I will say the point where like I actually put my Rory's bookshelf is that I think it's so funny to me all the while Jess is teasing Dean he says You've got the Frankenstein scowl (laughs) down. Later on, he says, don't go all West Side Story on me. It's like even as he's making fun of Dean, he's he's weaving in literature references, Mm -hmm. musical references. It's like how widely read and like um, widely seen. I don't know the word for like movies or TV, but like he has so many allusions to make Mm -hmm. that he's putting in service of making fun of someone and I know I shouldn't be laughing or um, giving it credit, but I am. So yeah, like you said. It's so great because it's like 
Jess is just kind of running these mental circles around Dean. Dean yeah. is there like with the like physical bulk and everything, but Jess like his his wit and his brains just like surpass Dean <laughs> so easily. Um and he knows that and he's using it to his ad- advantage, which yeah, I enjoyed. I thought it was fun. <laughs> However, <laughs> I don't know, morally questionable it is. <laughs> I'm fine with being morally questionable. Yeah. I'm a vicious trollop like Lorelai. <laughs> After this is where I really get pissed off at Dean because mm-hmm. he like storms into the house and is yelling at Rory. Rory is attempting to tell him the truth of what happened, which is that she didn't want anybody there. And they just showed up and he brought food and she was trying to get him to leave and Dean is, like, not hearing any of it, which we've seen from him in the past. Like, when Jess mm-hmm. bought the picnic basket and Dean was just, like, not listening to any explanation. Again, this isn't Rory's fault. Like, maybe she could have tried harder to get Jess to leave. But I don't know. Also, like, she was just having such a great time with Paris and Jess. It seems kind of mm-hmm. sad that they wouldn't be able to have that just because Dean would get pissed off. Like, once again, I do feel, I see where Dean's frustrations and fears are coming from. Uh, Like we've said time and time again, but the way that he goes about this is all wrong. He doesn't stop to listen to Rory at all. And the yelling is just not okay, especially because she even says, can you stop yelling? And he doesn't Mm -hmm. really until Paris breaks in. She's like the MVP of the evening (laughs) with a cover up of she lies about how she likes Jess and wanted to spend time with him. So she got Rory to kind of like set up an evening for the three of them, which is a very fun cover up. And I would definitely entertain a Jess and Paris Mm -hmm. ship. I think I'm more persuaded by them as like best friends, but I'm not against I'm not against romantic thing between either of them. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, to get to my, um, I did save my Friday night dinner critique for this scene because I was really angry as well. And I want to put it specifically at the conversation that Rory and Dean have after Paris has kind of come up with this cover up. And Dean asks, Rory, is this true about Paris and Jess? And Rory says, yes, Mm -hmm. which is a lie. And then Dean says, if you say so, then I have to believe it, don't I? And she says, yes. And then he says, sorry, I yelled. And she says, completely justified. And I just think this entire conversation is so messed up. Mm -hmm. It's so toxic and full of unhealthy communication. Like the fact that Rory is lying point blank to Dean's face is just not a healthy foundation for their relationship. Like, They're avoiding this conflict through lies rather than actually having an honest conversation about it. But then also the fact that Rory says it's completely justified. Um, She's kind of saying it's okay the way that he reacted, which it's not. And she knows it's not, but she's kind of trying to appease him in this moment. Mm -hmm. So it's just setting up so many standards for the relationship moving forward. Like, oh, it's okay if you yell at me if I did some like. It's okay if you yell at me when you get jealous. That's not a good thing to say. That's not a good, um, it's just not mm-hmm. good. <laughs> but it's also not good to set up um, lying to like 
get out of situations because you're afraid of his yelling and his reactions and stuff. It's like, it's just a, it's such a mess. So I wanted to highlight that as like, it's been going downhill, but this is definitely like, oh, it's going to like plummet yeah. downhill after this conversation and what it arranges for them going forward and how they'll deal with things going forward. Yeah. It's also like Dean is just being so inconsistent in this because mm. Rory had just been telling him the truth before Paris came in and mm-hmm. he wouldn't believe her then. So he only yeah. will believe Rory when the story kind of makes, I don't know, mm. just less of a threat to his yeah possession over Rory. He wants or to believe the lie. Yeah. My gazebo moment was actually Paris stepping in and taking the fall. But I also wanted to point out something that uh, Rory says when she's trying to convince Dean about Paris and Jess possibly being a thing, which is that she says that there's no explaining for attraction. And I found this to be really annoying because it's basically Rory saying that Paris is not attractive or that mm-hmm. she, sh- she it's unexplainable that Jess would be into her or that yeah. uh, Paris would be into Jess. And I just think that that's, I don't know, that's just so mean to Paris. It's also not true. And if she's trying to say that it, there's no explaining attraction for why Paris would be into Jess, I feel like that's just an- another layer of her denial because she's trying to say like mm-hmm. nobody could be into Jess. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah. It definitely has echoes of when Rory tried to get Tristan to mm-hmm. date Paris. Like thinking that without Rory's intervention, Tristan wouldn't have been into Paris. And he wasn't. But it, yeah, but it, like she's perpetuating the idea that guys like Tristan or Josh shouldn't be into Paris when really it's like, they e- they easily well could be and if they're not for like stupid reasons it's because they haven't grown up yet to see that Paris is like a perfectly good person to have interest in for a variety of reasons some of which are physical you know <laughs> yeah she does I mean she gets all that in college I suppose <laughs> but yeah this whole scene was just I was so aggravated with Dean but also so like Paris is really just showing up and it I don't know a tumult of emotions <laughs> but once Dean finally leaves and he's kind of sulking Rory asks she like runs over and asks Paris why Paris saved her Paris says that she owed her for studying with her that evening and then <laughs> Rory invites Paris to stay over and like have a slumber party and stuff Paris says like friends <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh Rory explains that they are kind of friendish like there's no real way to describe their relationship but they are <laughs> more or less friends I loved this I loved this scene and it mm-hmm. was made even better by Paris ending the scene by saying if you're doing all this so that you can freeze my bra I'll kill you <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. such a Paris thing to add that like yeah (laughs) to this perfectly nice moment yeah I really love that it was a close call for me in not picking that as my gazebo moment it was really close but I really love it and I feel like it's a huge step forward for the two Mm -hmm. of them 
in terms of their friendship. I really can't yeah. complain. <laughs> like, they now know that they can rely on each other for things, <laughs> things that they mm-hmm. need in the moment, which we'll see continue throughout their whole friendship. The episode, we kind of bring things to a close at Luke's once more. The construction is still going on. This was also my Stars Hollow moment. Pretty much to mirror your own. I just think it's so funny that Luke is continuing to be open Mm -hmm. during this construction. It's a really comical setting. um, And there are, in this scene, people like standing up waiting for tables um, particularly Kirk, who is like questioning Lorelai when she's going to finish her bacon so that he can get the table. And Lorelai is, of course, ignoring this. And like, I'm sure they probably sat at the table for an hour more after that, you know? So I think it's a very fun little scene to wrap us up. Um, that ends with a bit more, you know, as if this episode didn't have enough love triangle drama they decided to throw in a little bit more as well here and a little bit more of Lorelai meddling like we almost got free from that you know but they had to like toss in a sprinkling at the end (laughs) yeah we get Rory goes up to the counter to pay and she starts off by thanking Luke for the care package which just Mm -hmm. very quickly Uh, intercepts and sends Luke off to do something with the contractors which of course makes it very obvious to Rory that Jess was the one behind the care package and Luke had nothing to do with it Um, Mm -hmm. but Jess just kind of avoids her questions she keeps asking him and he keeps talking about paying and stuff like that and then we pan out outside of the diner and this hulking figure standing there (laughs) and it's Dean looking in through the window watching as Rory like leans against the counter and talks to Jess and his face is just like a sad November morning it's just like (laughs) he's there's nothing good in his life (laughs) and he's just standing there like such a creeper he is like the great Hulk like you (laughs) like you said he was hulking and it's like he's green with envy and he's the great hulk yeah he's so tall that's so true <laughs> but Lorelai comes out and she tries to like kind of add on her apology saying that you know rory really she told her everything that happened and she really was upset about it and she really was sorry um so Lorelai here is <laughs> interfering again dean says rory wouldn't lie would she And Lorelai agrees that no, Rory wouldn't lie. As they're like watching her actively flirting with Jess at the counter, Mm -hmm. it's just so like, I don't know. They're both like willing to be deceived to a certain extent to confirm what they hope to be the case, which is that she's still like in in love with Dean. It's it's a really weird scene, Mm -hmm. but it's one I remember distinctly as well. Everything would be easier if if Lorelai has to meddle. Maybe she could tell Dean, like, you know, maybe you should break up with Rory or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would save everybody. Or tell that to Rory. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when she's like, why do you want me to get along with Jess? 
she why can't she just stage an intervention and be like i think there's something going on here maybe you need to reevaluate yeah. but no that nope not yet at least that has not happened we got to <laughs> have another 6 or 7 episodes about it all <laughs> which i'm sure right, we well, will enjoy <laughs> yeah <sighs> on that note um don't forget to Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at TalkingFastPodcast and email us your thoughts at TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And until next time. <laughs> See you next week.